This episode is brought to you by Milano Cookies. Look, sometimes that long Zen yoga class is just not in the cards. So maybe a cookie is. Pepperidge Farm Milano believes you should make some time for yourself once in a while. I know I have a particular space in my sewing room that I like to just take a few minutes every day. I sit there. I think about things. It's kind of like meditation and munching at the same time. You can get that yummy, beautiful cookie flavor. It makes it luxurious and delightful, and I always feel recharged. Milano cookies are truly a treat worthy of your me time. They're delicate and crispy with luxuriously rich chocolate in the middle. You really want to keep these just for you. So remember to save something for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano. The 27 Club is a new podcast about famous musicians who died prematurely and sometimes mysteriously at the age of 27. This podcast is hosted by me, Jake Brennan, creator and host of the hit music and true crime podcast, Disgraceland. Season one features 12 episodes on the life and death of Jimi Hendrix. The 27 Club contains adult content and explicit language. You can listen to The 27 Club on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Watch out for your ears. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Lambert. And I'm Sarah Dowdy. And starting this one on a bit of a personal note, when I was a little kid, I really liked learning the stories of Catholic saints, especially the female saints. And my favorite was Tekla, who I chose as my my confirmation name. They tried to kill her multiple times, but she simply refused to die. But one story I had never heard was that of a female pope that I would have if I'd grown up in the Middle Ages. Yeah, the story of this woman pope popped up near the end of the 13th century, although her time of rule was said to be much earlier, probably the 800s. She's supposed to be German-born, but English lineage, and that sums up most of the details that we know about her. And there are many, many variations on this story, but we're going to give you the basics. So when Joan, who's also known as Agnes Gilberta and several other names, was a young woman, she fell in love and the man she loved was a scholar. Wanting to be with him, she followed him to Athens, but she was a woman, so she couldn't be in this rarefied atmosphere of learning in this Benedictine monastery. And in a story worthy of Shakespeare, she dressed herself as a man, moving up through the ranks at this monastery because she was just so brilliant. And eventually she reached Rome and the highest position of all in the Roman church, Pope. And supposedly she was Pope for two years. And then... This shocking scene happens. During a religious procession from St. Peter's Basilica, she gives birth while on a horse. What is with the horse stories? I don't know. They keep popping up. So she's a sinner, she's a liar, and she's Pope, which makes it so much more embarrassing. She met her demise in one of two ways. She was either sent to a convent, or the Romans dragged her behind the horse until she died and stoned her. And perhaps that baby lived, perhaps he did not. But if he did, he became a bishop. So there's the basic story. Again, there are a lot of variations on it. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? 
Well, and whether you believe it or not, people during the Middle Ages definitely did, and they were encouraged to believe it by the church. This was considered a very good example of why women needed to remain subordinate to men. Clearly, she was unfit to be the head of the Roman church. She couldn't even get through a procession without the natural realities of a woman's body taking out a baby on a horse. (laughs) Silly women, they have no control. (laughs) And soon, these rumors were everywhere about new popes having to be checked for male genitalia by lower-ranking clergy. Supposedly, this this new papal candidate would sit on a special chair with a hole cut in it, and you know, a deacon or a cardinal would reach down and check to check. make sure what uh, should be there was there. So we don't have any real evidence that this ritual was real. Our, our eyewitness accounts aren't eyewitnesses at all. And the chair, that really was a chair yeah, with the a chair hole in the um, was probably just used for an elaborate ritual to enthrone the Pope, not to, to check him out. But the most important point here is that people believe this. So regardless of what we know now, people in the Middle Ages did believe all of this. That's, that's quite the Catholic ritual right there. Uh, jokesters at the time made the point that since so many of the popes had children, it was probably pretty easy to figure out which ones were guys and which ones Touché. weren't. <laughs> and in the 16th century, it was suggested that all popes should have beards. That way, you could be sure the pope was a man, to which I say, women with a hormonal imbalance can't have beards, or if they have hypertrichosis, it's science. <laughs> this is the health editor, Katie, coming through. <laughs> so also in the 16th century, the Reformation began, and then the church position changes. It changes very dramatically, because the Protestants are starting to use Pope Joan as an anti-Catholic propaganda piece to point out that there's corruption in the church, major corruption, and problems with its hierarchy. If something this dastardly could happen... And so the Catholic Church does an about face and claim that, oh, Pope Joan never really existed at all, guys. It's just a story, perhaps a symbolic one to to teach people their lessons. But you can't claim a story is true just because it's popular. But how about now, now that we've moved along from this, this strong belief, this conviction in the Middle Ages, and then our about face in the Reformation, we are in the year 2010. So we have two sides, and we'll start with the first. There was no Pope Joan. So the church position as that, uh, pa- as far as papal lineage goes, it's all been men, all the way back to St. Peter. She's nowhere in the official papal history because there isn't a reason for her to be there. She didn't exist. And they make the point that of all people who would who would know, it would be the church. They we, like we having... We keep a pretty big library, guys. Well, exactly. They like having their records. So if anybody knows, it's going to be them. The other point denying her existence is that the Catholic Church doesn't deny the existence of bad popes. Like, so, oh, John the Twelfth, who is who is quite the sinner. Yeah. So they're essentially saying if if we admit to popes who murdered and tortured and fathered loads of illegitimate children, don't you think we'd admit to a female pope? Another strong point is that there isn't a single story about her from her own century. It's not until four hundred years later that any of these pop up. And doesn't that strike you as a little bit odd. Yes, 400 years in, suddenly a historical figure pops up in the books. It's it's definitely strange and suspicious. And she was supposedly pope between Leo IV and Benedict III. But according to church records, that would have made her pope only for a few weeks, which seems a bit ridiculous. About how long the 
the ceremony takes means <laughs> the investiture. And another church position, it was made up by the Protestants after the Reformation because they hate the Catholic Church. And this is definitely not true. We've already disproved this one. The story was around long before the Reformation began. So then we have our other side. There was, too, a Pope Joan. So our first point, why are there all of these stories about her if she didn't exist? There must be someone this was based on. It couldn't have been you know, made up just out of thin air. Or why did the church encourage belief in it for so long? And everyone at the time accepted it. Surely that says something. Yeah, Katie, I think you mentioned a writer who said, if there's smoke, there's fire. And that's that's something to latch on to. But another point is that there aren't any other stories about her from her own time because the church erased them in the 17th century when the Protestants started using her as anti-Catholic propaganda. Um, and in the 15th century, there was a bust of her, supposedly in the Siena Cathedral. The face was later changed to make it into someone else. So why would the church do that unless they were perhaps trying to hide her existence? Also in the 15th century, a heretic said in his trial, many times have the popes fallen into sin and error. For instance, when Joan was elected pope, who was a woman, not a single person present contradicted him, and it was all clergy. So I I have to admit that's a strong point in their favor. And going back to the lack of information about her, there aren't really that many records from her time anyways. The ninth century is not known for detailed record keeping, and we barely even have any information about any of the popes. So we can't say that in that little bit of time between Leo IV and Benedict III, there's conclusive evidence that she didn't exist or didn't reign between them. Right. Or since there were bad records, who even knows if that was a few weeks? It could have been the two years and something that everyone's been saying in the first place. And, you know, is it so implausible that a woman could disguise herself as a man and do a man's job? Maybe not the birth on the horse. Part, maybe, maybe not that part. So we've got our, our two sides, our point and our counterpoint. I do have to say, I don't think there was a Pope Joan. Um, but there's another way you could interpret it. Perhaps there have been other female figures in the church whose stories were entangled with hers. Pope Joan is said to be on the high priestess card in some tarot decks, but it may actually be a woman named Guglielma, who's also known as the heretic saint. And she's not really a saint, but she's a 13th century religious woman who did inspire a saint cult devoted to her, which is something that still happens today, I learned recently. Yeah, the narco saints talking about. So some of her followers are later burned at the stake. And according to an article from Church History by Mona Alice Jean Newman, inquisitors tore apart her tomb, burned her bones and scattered her ashes and, of course, erased every document that had to do with her life. So she's she's a person of interest, at least. Well, and there are certainly women who have exerted considerable influence over popes, too much for the liking of many, and other women who have inspired great devotion. And perhaps there wasn't a Pope Joan, but there was a, a woman who was high-ranking in the church. Yeah. And that story turned into something else. So what relevance does that have for us today? Of course, the role of women in the church is still complicated. Yeah, the church today maintains that women are of equal value as men, but they're very different and therefore they're suited to different roles. And by encouraging women to fulfill the role that nature and God has intended for them, which is motherhood, they're honoring 
woman's unique gifts. And that's why women can't be ordained priests, much less be pope. Right. And and I'm sure you're all familiar with a critic's response to that if you've opened a newspaper. Ever (laughs) open a newspaper. And it's not our place to voice any opinion on the matter, but I think we can confidently say that a female pope today would not have to give birth on a horse. And also that Pope Joan might make a really good Halloween costume, if you don't mind explaining who you are all night. Yeah, speaking of Halloween costumes, we've gotten some responses after our oh, right. Egyptian episodes. A few people want to be a Mameluke for Halloween, which I think sounds like a great costume, especially if you get that jeweled sword. I, I'm tentatively planning on being a cannibal queen, but that has absolutely nothing to do with any history episode we've ever done. <laughs> Unless I can, Unless find, can find some one. sort of historical <laughs> record. Send us your, your recommendation. The Cannibal Queen. It is interesting that this story has lasted for so long. We've gotten so many emails requesting the Pope Jones story. And I'd like to hear about why you think it's endured. So email us at historypodcast at howstuffworks.com and let us know your opinions. And if you have another favorite anti-pope you'd like us to talk about, again, send us an email. And speaking of email, we have some listener mail for today. So our email today is from Virginia, and we were actually fortunate enough to do an interview with Virginia just the other day. She hosts Inside the Podcasting Studio, as well as Tudor Talk. Yes, and we like her. We talked to her about what it's like recording this podcast, but she also emailed us regarding our five stars of the Wild West and our question about what exactly bulldogging was and what the modern incarnation of it. Yeah. It, it has nothing to do with UGA, in case my... <laughs> fellow bulldogs were confused. (laughs) We weren't just throwing in some school spirit there. So Virginia wrote us, as a Texan who has attended many a rodeo, I believe I can answer your question about the modern incarnation of bulldogging. The one that is probably most like it now is called steer wrestling. A cowboy starts on a horse in the starting box. The steer is also in the starting box right next to him. When the steer is released, the cowboy must essentially chase it, jump off the horse, and wrestle the steer to the ground. In order for the clock to stop, the steer has to fall over, at least on its side, if not on its back. The cowboy with the best time wins. If the cowboy breaks the barrier, quote, of the starting box, essentially the same as jumping the gun and racing, he gets a 10-second penalty. And she described a few other similar forms of steer wrestling, which gave me the strong desire to attend a rodeo. See, I I decided I was not meant to be a rodeo queen or a rodeo attendee, but I think you can go to one maybe in Kennesaw. I remember seeing ads in high school. I do not want to attend bullfighting, though, after (laughs) this Spanish incident where the bull broke up into the stands and trampled a bunch of people. So um, I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind if I if I watch that Spanish video. We'll talk about it later, Sarah. <laughs> so thank you, Virginia, for uh, talking with us and for sending us your rodeo tips. And if you have cool stuff to send us, again, our email is historypodcast at howstuffworks.com. We also have a Facebook fan page. You can catch up with what we're doing, and it's a cool way for us to respond to you more quickly than we can 
an email. And as far as that goes, Brian with a Y, I'm sorry, I spelled your name with an I. Our commenters are very involved this week. We also have a Twitter feed at Missed in History. And again, it's a good way to keep up with what we're doing on a daily basis. I, you know, can send out a survey on who wants to uh, date a dragon lord and and give birth to 100 eggs and so 60 many of you respond. Yes, and that might have given you a clue. We were talking about the Chung sisters. So we're going to try to find a way here to wrap up dragon lords and tie them back into Pope. I think you can do it. My connection is Pope Joan, the Dark Ages. We have female popes, maybe. We have knights and we have dragons. Knights who fight dragons. Oh, and saints who are knights and, who fight dragons. And saints. Yeah, this is getting really good. So if you want to learn more about popes, at least, you can check out our article, How the Papacy Works, by searching on the homepage. It's www.howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the howstuffworks.com homepage. The Only Way is Through, a new podcast in partnership with iHeartRadio and Under Armour. Players, coaches, and athletes will share intimate and personal stories of performing at the highest level. Here is Canadian heptathlete Georgia Ellenwood. The reason I won is because on that day I was confident. I need to continue that mentality to understand that I can be an Olympic athlete. I can compete with the best in the world and just perform. Listen to The Only Way is Through, available now on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Available now from iHeart, a new series presented by T-Mobile for Business, The Restless Ones. Join me, Jonathan Strickland, as I explore the coming technological revolution with the restless business leaders who stand right on the cutting edge. They know there is a better way to get things done, and they are ready, curious, excited for the next technological innovation to unlock their vision of the future. In each episode, we'll learn more from the restless ones themselves and dive deep into how the 5G revolution could enable their teams to thrive. The Restless Ones is now available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts.